What's up, guys, and welcome to a Drum Talk, the podcast where we don't just drum about it, we talk about it. My name is Nate Testa, and this week I am joined by Master Symbol Smith and owner of Nikki Moon Custom Symbols, Nikki Moon. What's up, bro? Well, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me on the show. It's really, really, really fun to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped. And I did get that right. Is Nikki like short for something? Well, my name is Nicholas Marguerite. I usually go by Nick, um, but funny little story about that. My grandmother used to always call me Nikki, 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 and I used to be like, "Oh, stop calling me Nikki" when I was little because, you know, I wanted to be a grown up. But now yeah. I named the the business Nikki Moon, and now everybody calls me Nikki. So I get a little taste of my own medicine or whatever. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, and I didn't know this until recently. He was on a podcast, but Buddy Love, um, yeah. his name's William. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like no, and no one knows that because everyone knows him by like Buddy. Yeah, Buddy loves custom buddy. drums, but it's cool. Yeah. I don't care what people call me, man. Yeah, well, I'm glad I ironed that out because I actually was going to ask you that before. I was like, ah, I'll just ask him on the podcast. So Nicholas, that makes sense. So I mean, a lot of people, a lot of great people named by Nicholas. You know, Nicholas Cage, and that's that's about it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, like another thing, I'm really pumped about. Um, not just that you're on the show, but that in probably two weeks, and this is actually a Saturday that we're recording this. So actually three Saturdays, but like two weeks, um, we'll be at the first annual music city drum show. Yeah. Can't and I'll wait. be able to like say hi in person. Yeah, man. And see some <laughs> yeah. symbols in person. Too. See some symbols in person. Yeah. That'll be super dope. And just a lot of people, if a lot of other people don't know, that's actually the first, like I said, first annual and, uh, Actually, a guest of the show that was previously on here, Mike Dawson, will also be there doing a clinic. So, again, I'm, like, super pumped. The The idea of being able to meet people in person has always been, a, a like, hugely exciting for me just because I meet so many people online, as, as yeah. have you, and sure. just be able to shake their hands, say hi, like, what's going on? And so It's super yeah. important, man, to get in front of people in real life. You know, it's it's really exciting and we haven't had a trade show in a couple of years because of covid oh, yeah. and everything so i'm i'm stoked to see all the i'll get the band back together you know yeah. I'll see my, my buddies <laughs> mike dawson and jc and and everybody so it's cool man i'm, I'm stoked yeah i'm re i'm really pumped about that i got a, i had like tip my like dip my toes in the uh drum show kind of scene in 2019 at the Chicago, Chicago drum show. And mm -hmm. then every, and then you literally, I was like, Oh, I'll go to NAMM in like maybe 2020 or 2021 or whatever. And like, it was like, Nope. <laughs> it yeah, didn't happen. Yeah, crashed and and so, yeah. Everything crashed and burned. Yeah. Bummer. <laughs> yeah. Big bummer. Yeah. So kind of in a change of like uh topic. Um, and I normally like asking this to every single person because I think it's very unique that each person has their own way of going about their day. And uh, I think it gives a great example to a lot of us that, you know, maybe want to do something on the side or maybe wanting to start something full time to really see that perspective of like how all these people that operate in the same industry, but in vastly different ways, how do they operate their day? And so I would love to go into that and kind of take us from like in the morning until whether it be super late at night or not even go to bed at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, every day for me is, is a marathon pretty much. Um, I run this business, you know, by myself, and I also have another another gig, another job. Um, it's it's not a normal job. It's not like I get up and I go to a place every day for eight hours or whatever. It's I'm I'm home. I I take phone calls. I do tech support um, from time to time. But the the gig is I have to be available. 
because sometimes I have to just leave immediately and go to another state or something. That's really the job. I don't have to do it that often, but I have to be available all the time. So, you know, it makes it tricky, difficult from a business owner's perspective because I can't plan things as much as I'd like to. Like I'm, I'm part German. So that part of my DNA wants everything like this happens, oh. then this happens, then this yep. happens, then this happens. <laughs> that's the way my brain works. And that's how I function at my best. And I've really had to learn how to like work around that, which has been tough. Um, and one of the ways is by getting up. I mean, I've always been an early riser, but getting up early and getting stuff done before the phone starts to ring, before any of that happens. So I'm usually up between 6 and 7 a.m. Right. And I have some coffee, take my dog out, hang out a little bit. And then it's right to taking care of emails, customer responses, and things like that. Because I work, I, I work in my garage, my home here. And I live in a, in a neighborhood that's pretty close. Um, I have sort of soundproofed my hammering area, but you know, like still some noise could leak out if I'm lathing or something in the garage. So right. I try not to start the production work until around 8 a.m. at least, you know. So the first couple hours of the day is usually just I'm on the computer, following up with emails and following up with customers, maybe do, banging out a couple invoices. And then I go into the production stuff and it's just hammering lathing you know back and forth and then at the same time fielding calls for the other job you know taking care of things sort of back and forth throughout the day um usually like around one o'clock i'll stop and have something to eat with my wife because she she works uh, as a bartender in manhattan so she leaves for work at 2 p.m so oh, we wow. usually stop we have a little break then and then um I come back more production work more hammer and lathe and whatever else right and then around five o'clock, I usually crash. Um, I have some something to eat and I sit down or lay down and I just like pass out for like maybe 30 minutes. Oh, wow. And then I get back up and then I usually finish the day doing invoices, um, you know, customer email responses, social media stuff, or, you know, if I got to go do logos on some symbols, but something that's a little bit less labor intensive. And most of the time, or ordering materials or whatever, inventory, that usually takes me to um, 9, 10 p.m. Yeah. So every day is pretty much a 6 to 10 wow. shift, you know? And then it's yeah. just go to sleep and do it again. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. Also because, like, when it comes to, like, symbols, there's so many um, literal layers and <laughs> um, parts to – the process of making it simple. So most companies will have individuals that will be over a certain part and you're the one that begins it and the one that ends it. So, yep. and, and it's very time consuming. It's not just like, you know, for instance, when it comes to building drums, when it, whether it be stave or segmented or even ply, you basically get it into the mold and you let it sit there. So you can have, mm -hmm. you can knock out a couple shells, but like you, at the end of the day, you're letting things sit and you can't really start working on it until later on but with you it's like you can go from the hammering process to the lathing process to every every process in within a couple of hours yeah it's a lot of going back and forth between this room that i'm in now where i hammer and test symbols and then in, in the garage where i do the lathing and the logos and everything just going back and forth between these two rooms and like you said like in the in the factories you know each guy has a job there's the hammering dudes there's the lathing dudes, there's the logo dudes, there's the guy that edges it, the guy that checks it, and it just goes from one to the next to the next to the next, just assembly line style. 
Um, but that's all me. So I'm just changing yeah. hats all day. I'm taking <laughs> phone calls, fixing medical equipment in between, you know, being a, father, a dad dog to my dog and a husband and I'm doing things all back and forth. So it's yeah, know, organized chaos, I guess you would call it. it. It absolutely is. Yeah. It's, it's pandemonium, so, dude. It's mayhem. <laughs> That's why I have so many gray hairs. <laughs> yeah. So I don't think you even mentioned what exactly, like you describe the job, but like what exactly do you need to fix or maintenance whenever that- uh, Pet CT like, medical equipment. It's like- Okay. Um, like a CAT scan machine. Yeah. Those those things. Okay, cool. Yeah. And did so you, what's interesting about that job is like, I have no background in it. I just- kind of fell ass backwards into it by meeting somebody um, who happened to own the company and we became friends and um, I started working for him just because I have a propensity for working with my hands and a, and a college degree. So he was right. like, you can probably do this, you know? <laughs> um, but through that job, I learned a lot about engineering. Like I'm not an engineer by trade, but I learned a lot about engineering and how machines work and stuff and how electricity works and, and a lot of stuff. So it's actually been really helpful for the symbol making business because, you know, it's uh, I've gotten a lot of cool, cool info. Yeah, no, that's that's super awesome. Yeah. It's, have you found that, um, like you said, like it it's for very unique and interesting information, but have you found anything between those two jobs like correlate like very well together? Um. Stuff spins around. That's one of the things. I mean, it, it seems really simple, but like a, a, a CT is is basically a rotating x-ray. It spins around the patient when they're on the bed. Right. And so that motion is the same as a lathe, right? Like it's something spinning around. And like when I needed to figure out how to take my lathe apart and fix it when I didn't really know, like having worked on one of those machines was really helpful. Yeah. You know? And once you've taken apart a $2 million piece of medical equipment, taking apart a lathe is not quite as intimidating, you know? <laughs> so it gave me like that confidence to just be like, you know what? I can figure this out, you know? Yeah. that I, I'm really glad you brought up the lathe because um, recently you had just made your own and I'm sure um, understanding how to take apart one of those crazy pet um, like yeah. scanners really helped you in kind of like understanding components and things like that. And I'm sure you've taken apart lathes in the past before. Um, but yeah, tell us about that process. Cause I'm sure like making your own, is crazy. Like, that's awesome. Is it something I always wanted to do? I always wanted to build one. Like back when I first started getting into symbols, like I, I, it's a more cost effective way than, than buying one and, and modifying it and making it work for symbols. But I just didn't have the know-how back then. So, um, but my apprentice, Jimmy is at the point where he needs a machine to work, you know, cause he lives about an hour away from me. So we figured we should get him a machine where he's at so he can practice and, and do some work over there. And I was, that's what, you know, I was like, I, I can do this. I can do this now. I'm ready for this, you know? And, and the, the, the trickiest part was the powertrain, just getting the, the motor to spin the pulleys and all that stuff and on to calculate everything. But like I said, from, from working on this medical equipment, that was really not as hard. So once I got that, the rest of it's just building a frame, which I, you yeah. know, I'm very good at building things like out of wood. Like that's not that hard for me. So, um, it all came together, man. And it works great, which is, which is cool. So you know, I'm excited, man. Yeah, no, that's, that's really awesome. And just the idea that like out of necessity and out of like helpfulness for the apprentice, um, being able to have some, like not have to spend so much money on a second one and be able to use yeah. that, utilize that money in another way for the business totally. instead of just dumping that into a new lathe. Um, definitely is very cost effective. And then also like, now, you know, you could 
actually make one. So that means you can make another one. And yeah, so, and I'm already yeah. thinking about now, you know, <laughs> I want to build a second one for myself. And then I'm like, well, if I can build this, like, what else can I build? You know, so now, right. of course, like, my brain is, that's the way my mind works. It's always on to the next thing. Can never just stay here. Gonna, you know, keep moving, progressing. So, yeah, no, that, that's definitely awesome. I like taking like life lessons or even like situations that people find themselves in and bring it into the people that are listening in the sense that, you know, not all the time do you need to go out and buy something because essentially like, yes, there is a lot of things out in the world that you can just buy and they work great and you trust the company. You're like, you know what? I trust you guys in making this better than I can. So I'm going to do that. But at the end of the day, there are also things that you can make your own. Like for instance, big fast snare drum is a great product, but mm -hmm. if you don't have the 15 to 20 to sometimes 30, depending on what you're buying, bucks to buy it you can easily cut out a drum head and make one yourself mm -hmm. um and will it have the same functionality yeah but will it have will it not have all like the, the uh special like not effects but um like features that a big fast drum um supplies not really but you're still going to get the same sound at the end of the day so Absolutely, it's, it's really cool to be able to take that i the idea of like hey, you know what i can just make one i i don't really know how to like I don't have the money, not that you don't have the money, but like you don't have, like you didn't want to buy another one. Yeah. It's just like, kinda... you know, I didn't want to invest that much. And and that's yeah. the spirit that got me into making symbols in the, in the first place was like, I've always had that. Like I, I can do that. You know what I mean? Like, I think yeah. I can do that. Let me get my hands dirty. I'll figure it out. And like, that's, that's really what drove me into this business to from the beginning was like, there wasn't the kind of symbols that I wanted, I couldn't find them anywhere. And I was like, you know what? Like, why don't I just make them myself? Why don't I just do that? It's just the craziest idea, you know, to have, but it, it worked. So, well, I mean, since you brought that up, you're just a magnet for amazing transitions and uh, <laughs> all these. Like, <laughs> and so like we're transitioning really well. into like just a little bit of your backstory and, uh, and really how you got started in all of this along with, and if anybody already falls follows uh nikki on instagram um he just took an amazing trip um and i'm i'm really excited to be able to hear some of the stuff that that came out of this trip and it has a lot to do with your your um ancestry and and your um family and then the people that have trained you when it comes to symbols and stuff like that so i'm super pumped to, to hear all of this so go, go right ahead all right so let me see i'm trying to figure out how to how to begin so the reason my my wife yoli is from albania She's lived in the U.S. since she was in her early 20s, um, but she's originally from there. Her parents and her brother and the rest of her family still lives in Albania. So we visit Albania every year, um, obviously, except for last year because of COVID. Right. So for those who don't know, Albania is just north of Greece and just east of Italy. So it's on the Balkan Peninsula. It's a beautiful Mediterranean, you know, just a beautiful, beautiful place. So... But when you fly to Albania, you, you can't fly direct from the U.S. You have to fly either into Switzerland or into Istanbul. So this year, she and I are both turning 40. And we thought, let's do something extra, you know, this year. <laughs> let's take the family vacation and turn it into like a symbol pilgrimage. That'll be my part. And then when we go to Albania, you can do all your all your girl stuff. And that'll be your part, you know. And yeah. um, and so that's that's what spawned the whole the whole trip um i've obviously always wanted to go to turkey just because of the symbol connection but also because my family my father's side of the family is greek and that 
what where Istanbul is now used to be Constantinople, and Constantinople was formerly Greek. And wow. my family was from a part of Greece called Mudanya, which is just south of the Sea of Marmara. Um, so if you go from Istanbul across the sea, it's literally right there. It's not wow. really that far. So, you know, my ancestors were weaving silk over there in Mudanya. And just wow. across the, the pond, there, you know, the old K. Zildjian fam was, was over there doing their thing. So I was like, man, I really want to connect to my heritage a little bit more and, and kind of be there and just get a feel for what that's like, too. So that was all part of it, you know. That's, so, that's awesome. Yeah, man, it was so cool. So so we flew from the U.S., from from JFK, New York, over to Istanbul. And then right from Istanbul, we f- we hopped a plane to Samson. Now, Samson is another part of Turkey that's hugely important to symbol making that a lot of people don't know. But the Daril family is from Samson, and there's a lot of Darils. There's cousins and brothers who are all involved in symbol making. <laughs> um, I have a connection to Mustafa Daril because my teacher, Francisco, from Brazil, was taught by Mustafa. So... That's how we know each other. And wow. he was kind enough to let us stay with him and to let us, you know, hang out at his factory and, and learn some things from him. And, and just, it was incredible, man. We spent a day and a half with them in Samson and he showed me a lot of the other, I saw the Minel uh, Amisos factory yeah. over there in Samson, which <laughs> coincidentally uh, I posted and I got some a little bit of blowback from Big Symbol uh, Minel over there. Some of the people were like, "Why are you posting pictures of our factory?" I was like, "Because I'm a free person. Because I can. And I went on a trip <laughs> and I took a picture of a building. Like, where you want to stop me? Like, no. It was it was weird. Yeah, it was really strange. Um, I don't know what like what's the big secret? It's just a building. I didn't you know just saw yeah. it outside. But uh, yeah, that was like every odd. like every, like everyone knows that they make. Um, like a lot of their symbols in, in Turkey. Like I just, or it says made yeah. in Turkey on the yeah, symbol. It literally it's not like does. a big secret. No, it's <laughs> not like they're hiding it or something. But I, like, well, the reason is they're, they're probably uncomfortable because of if, if I was hanging out with Mustafa, I, I really got the inside scoop on how all that went down and right. how Byzantines came together and all that other stuff. And that's probably of course that they don't want necessarily to get out there, but you know, I respect the, hush hush stuff to a point you know right but anyhow anyhow i just thought that was weird um so we went from samson back to istanbul and then i have a connection to the immediate symbols factory as well because the uh, ahmet bayukasak was also a teacher of my teacher francisco wow. so they invited us to, to go there and tour their factory and hang out with them so we did that which was also amazing you know i got to sit down and hammer with the crew and i got to hammer with this guy Mehmet over there who I've been watching videos of him hammering symbols since I was like, you know, a greenhorn. Like that's why back in the day when I didn't know how to hammer a symbol, I used to watch this guy and just be like, wow. And there I was sitting there or just right across from him banging out, you know, some symbols, which was just, man, it was, it was nuts to be in a place that you've imagined and you've seen so many times, you know, it was, it was awesome. So that nuts, no, that's amazing. And like, just to be able to like, a lot of people that have influenced me, it would be really amazing to like, you know, sit there and like play drums with them or something and just like, and be able to experience that. And so to know that you had kind of like, you've been watching this dude for such a long time and yeah. actually be able to sit down with him, watch him work in person and then pick up a hammer yourself and be able to hammer alongside him as kind of like brothers who barely even knew each other. That's just such a beautiful moment. And I, I think yeah, that's man. something that, I'm sure you're going to remember forever. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, man. It's, it's one thing to read about something. It's another thing to watch it on TV. But one thing I've learned through traveling all over the world is like, you gotta, you gotta be there to really feel what it's like to be those people and to experience their life and what goes into their work, you know, what inspires them and how their daily life goes and how they're, what's the feel of their country and, and everything. Like you can't learn that unless you actually go. Yeah. So if you're, if I encourage everybody to like, if, if you have the ability to travel, you should do it. It's not easy. It's hard. It's exhausting, but like you, you grow so much as a person, like you can't imagine what you're going to take away from that, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I've even noticed that with, like, simply even traveling around the U.S. Because oh, yeah. even around the U.S., the US has a lot dude, to like, offer. yeah, and there's so many people that live in different parts of the U.S. that live very different lives. And very you're like, different. well, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, if I, w- I would love to visit L.A. I mean, I've only passed through like Vegas and um, the the California area. Mm-hmm. Um, I did like some Oakland and stuff like that. Cause I was on a tour in 2018. Um, and we passed through, and did a whole like East coast thing. And so I was able to go through some of those places, but to be able to actually go somewhere for a long extended period of time, like maybe like a week or, or, or take a couple of trips throughout my lifetime and go into certain places consistently. Um, you, you really get to see the perspective. Like, I love watching people too. So it's like, to have the perspective of just seeing how people operate in a different city that you don't live in mm-hmm. is something that's co- could completely revolution revolutionize your view of just everything of people in general. And I can only imagine how much more that would change my perspective or anyone's perspective if they went to a completely different continent and like, Hey, you should go check out like, Africa yeah. or something like just yeah. literally like just experience that for a couple of weeks and then come back and see how much you uh, hate America now. Like <laughs> <Right>. seriously. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it def- certainly makes you appreciate home, but I think it also helps you appreciate, like I said, like other people, man, in a different Cultures, way. Like, yeah. Turkey, for example, like historically the Ottomans were not, they were not kind to Greeks or the name and they were not kind to Albanians. Like there's a lot of bad blood and, uh, but like when you're there, like, and you're just talking to people of, you know, in the same generation as Austin, you're like, these guys had nothing to do with that old stuff. Like they, oh. they're, they're just, it's, you know, so a lot of times you're walking around with this like anger or something inside of you. And then you sit down with a person face to face and you, you just, I don't know, man, you just get the sense of their humanity and it just changes a lot about how you feel about other people, other cultures, you know, all that stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I'll, I'll end with this so we can go on to like more of your, you're like from start to now when it comes to like drums and stuff, but it it gives you a lot of like, like you said, perspective when you actually are able to sit in front of someone and say like, I used to not like you, or I used to have a preconceived assumption of you. Mm -hmm. And now sitting in front of you, you're like, you're nothing like that. Like there actually are good people in the world. Not everyone that you're going to come across. Most people in the world are good, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what you learn. You learn like all the stuff you hear on the news and everything is designed to like just separate everybody. It's all a minority, man. Like, and I've been all over the U S too. I've been down South and I've, I've sat and shared food with people who have very different views than I do. But, but man, like we connected on so many different levels and it's like, if everybody did this, like, I don't think we would have this crazy like opposite political discourse and all this stuff. Like I really think people would just be like, Oh, okay. He's just a guy. He's a little different. Like, you know, but anyways, not to get too like kumbaya on everybody, but (laughs) um, it's, it is important, man. It is important. Yeah. 
It really is. So. No, it totally is. And is as in as much important as uh your story and uh where you came from and and uh, it's it was really cool to kind of hear some of the backstory of where your family was from. Um especially your wife is really awesome too that like you had this opportunity to be able to fly into a place that is so rich in simple history yet you would have had to do that anyways to be able to get to where your wife's family is. And that's just like how coincident, how, how like amazingly set up is that, that you would have yeah, the opportunity it's, to do it's so. Nice, man. The cool thing about Europe too, is like, everything's just closer. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like me driving from Jersey to Delaware or something, it's like over there, you can get to like four different countries. Like it's, <laughs> you know, you can really see a lot, That's wild, which is, which is cool. Like if you look at the Balkans, like there's a lot, a lot of countries really close. Albania is tiny, man. Like compared to, you know, like states over here, like it's it's just it's yeah. crazy. So, yeah, man, it was uh, it was awesome. So then, yeah, after the after the symbol pilgrimage, we went through Albania, and even in Albania, there's their history is old, man. Like we forget living in the U.S., our history is like a couple hundred years old. Their history is like back to like third century B.C. That's like, wild. We were in places where there was like ancient Greek carvings on the walls and stuff, and what? and I was in search of old bronze because my whole theory about where symbols come from is that they come from old bronze plates and old bronze shields and, and other relics like that right and we actually found some of those things in albania and I, you know i posted some of that stuff too so it really like the, right. the learning was just was on point through, through the whole thing so dude that's awesome yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah what a, what a great trip i'm sure there's so much more you could talk about um but like even just all that alone um it's it's hard to put into words things that you can only really see in person. And so like, just to have that experience, I guess out of this whole segment, um, I know that me and Nikki both encourage just to travel when you get the chance to, when you have the opportunity to go and travel and maybe even it's about like your heritage and your background and yeah, learn about your family, man. Learn about what you're interested in. doesn't matter what it is, you know? Yeah. And just see people, you know, it's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, you could do this really quick. Um, and then we'll jump into the, the, your, your top five things. Um, but, uh, what was kind of your story kind of from like started playing drums up until now, it could be pretty short. It doesn't have to be super, super. Yeah. I'll try to, I'll try to rifle through it as quickly as I can. Yeah. Uh, I started playing drums, like drums was, I, I remember noticing drums at the youngest age that I have memories. So like age five or six, I was noticing drums. My parents were both really into music. My dad especially is like, had a lot of old cool rock records, old Zeppelin and old Hendrix. And they were really into the Beatles and like, you know, just old rock music. So I was exposed to that from the time that I was age zero to, you know, whatever. So um, I noticed drums and it just knew immediately, like, I want to do that. I don't know how, I don't know why, but I knew not only I want to do that, but I can do that. You know what I mean? Like if I get those, I can do that thing. And yeah. I don't know where that comes from, but I've talked to other people that that have had the same sort of epiphanies. Like you just kind of know that's the thing. So I was chasing it since, since I was, you know, as young as young can be. And I started taking lessons and doing the whole thing. And I, thankfully my, my school system had a really amazing music program because I hated school. Um, but I was <laughs> yeah. able to play drums and, and get into jazz band and do all that in school. And that was kind of my savior, you know, right. during that time in my life. Um, I ended up going to Berkeley and I didn't stay, I didn't graduate. I stayed for a couple of years and then I decided, oh, I want to go do the rock star thing and, you know, live the musician's life. And whew, man, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. <laughs> 
I had a lot of fun, but you know, like it, this was pre, I'm like the last generation pre like internet and stuff. Like when I was getting started, when like the internet was just kind of getting off the ground. Yeah. So like, it's not like it is today. Like if you wanted to promote your band, like you had to print out flyers and go around town and hand them to people. And yep. it was a different world, man. You had to record analog and, you know, so it was tough trying to, trying to make a go of it back then, but I did it for years and just never really worked hard enough at it. I just always felt like I was sort of owed a career in music because I loved it. Right. Um, which is an important lesson because like I took a completely different uh, attitude when I started my symbol business, you know, I grew up a lot mentally and realized like, you're not owed anything, man, just cause you like something and maybe you have a natural ability to do it. You still better work your ass off like harder than anybody else works to get it. If that's what you think you really want, you know? Absolutely. So, and yeah, man, just like did the musician thing and ended up kind of back in the working world. Cause you need money at some point and music wasn't yeah. paying the bills. <laughs> and as I was graduating, I went back to school kind of just to make my parents happy and get a bachelor's degree. Um, I got a bachelor's degree in political science. I don't know why, just why not? Um, and then I kind of started getting back into drums at that point because I had sort of taken a break because there was no way you can work and go to school and also have like a hobby and, and you know, be a musician. So, And that's when I started customizing drums and working on that stuff. And from there, I realized... I like this, but I'm not that good at it. And there's a lot of people who are doing it way better than I think I ever could. Well, let me try my work with cymbals. And then I got into experimenting with cymbals and that led me to where I am now. Yeah. So, and how did that like experiment with cymbals start? Was it just like, hey, I have some cymbals that I don't use. I'm I'll gonna, tell like, you. Sabian B8 Pro 20 inch rod, <laughs> hammer, <laughs> smash, break. Okay. Lesson one, that doesn't work. <laughs> the first several years was just me breaking stuff breaking oh, everything wow. that i had and then buying more old symbols off of ebay and breaking those wow yeah and destroying them and, and i just learned because there wasn't any information at that time really like very right. very little a couple of little things on the internet but like really not much so it was all trial and error dude it was just try to figure it out yeah yeah i mean at the beginning <laughs> I, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about like the first symbol you ever tried playing with and experimented with uh, broke. So yeah, yeah, a lot of carnage for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I didn't know that you needed an anvil. I just hit the symbol with the hammer and it wasn't <laughs> the right kind of hammer. I mean, I, I'm telling you, like I had no idea what I was doing. Like just, yeah. I was just freestyling, man. So, but you know, you, I learned. Yeah. I mean, and now um, fast forward, um, you actually... And people don't may, may not know this. You also mod symbols for people that may is that is that correct? That that's may, true. Like, that's very very true. That's a big part of what I do, and that stems from that's how I learned was right. from was taking existing symbols and and trying to recreate them and work on them and seeing how I could change them. And I learned so much modifying that I just thought like it, it felt like a betrayal to 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 not keep doing that. Like I'm really really keen on trying to stay true to who I am where I yeah. came from, how I learned. And that was how I started. So I, I refuse to walk away from it, man. And I don't want to criticize any big symbol companies out there, but some of them are very far now from where they began. And they I don't necessarily blame them. They had to learn how to manufacture at a very efficient and high level. 
but they have lost something, man, along the way. They've lost that connection to the craft, like that human touch, like that's not there anymore. And I, I don't ever want that to happen to me ever. So I'm going to do what I did at the beginning always, you know? Yeah. That's such a, it's, it's really good to hear, especially when we get fed so much, um, I wouldn't say propaganda, but it's more of like, um, a solid cut looking great, like company that has, that looks like it has everything together. And granted, I mean, if you want like a mass produced symbol, you can easily go and do that. There's plenty of companies out there that make symbols like you do that, but you're not getting that. Like, for instance, no one would ever be able to go to a Zildjian or Mino or Sabian or whatever, and actually talk to the person that built it and be able to ask them certain questions or be able to ask for specific weights on a particular symbol or something like that. You're just getting what they have already produced and provided to the consumer public. Um, But when it comes to a small business like yourself, you're able to do that. You're able to sit down and say, Hey, I I want, I want this symbol and like this amount of grams and, or, or asking questions about certain things like, Oh, like what would you like, I want this type of sound, like what, what weight or what type of taper, all these different things that you can ask when it comes to symbols, um, you're able to do and customize it to the sound that you're particularly looking for. Mm -hmm. And which is like why I think it's important if you're going to make symbols, like to be a drummer. Yeah. Um, Because that's something other people don't know too, is like a lot of symbol makers, even in Turkey, like those guys aren't drummers, man. That's just a job to them. That's part of their culture. That's a job you get when you're a teenager and like whatever. But um, as a drummer, I, that's what made me want to make symbols was like, there's no service for what I want. These companies won't do what I want. I'm not a big enough name to, to get a signature model. So like, how do I, I want to make that available, not only for myself, but for other people, you know? Yeah. So now it's a thing. So, yeah. Yeah. And just like the type of ideas that you're able to go outside the box with, instead of like sticking with the how it's always been type of mentality, which unfortunately, a lot of symbol companies tend to do. It's like, oh, this is how we've always been viewed. We kind of have to keep going that way if people are still going to want to buy our symbols. Like... They can yeah, never really nah, switch true. it up fully and completely change everything. Or if you change something up and it happens to look similar to another company's particular uh, hand clapping device, um, then you get bashed <laughs> for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and look, man, I, I don't want to sound like I'm like bashing these these other companies. Oh, you're not. Like, I know they that. were all yeah. like really big influences on me, and I got a lot of respect for for all of them. You know, in their own way. I'm just trying to explain what inspired me to go in my direction, you know, and how it's different from that direction and why I think that matters, like what the value is in what I do. Because at the end of the day, if you just look at a Nicky Moon symbol or a Zildjian symbol or whatever, there's way more Zildjians. They're way easier to get, you know, like if you just look at it as a thing, just get, get the Zildjian. But like, if you look at it as, well, okay, what's the value in what this person's doing? How is it different? What does it mean? And do I care about that? Some drummers don't. And that's fine, dude. It's fine. If you don't care about human, you know, interaction with the material and and all this custom stuff, that's cool. Do your thing. Play whatever you want. It doesn't stop me from doing my thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of comes down to that whole concept that like, I mean, 
as much as there's gear out there, not every piece of gear is for everyone and every person operates in a different manner where, hey, I, I like custom stuff or, hey, I don't like custom stuff. There's a lot of people that don't do custom drums. Um, and there's a lot of people that do like buy custom drums more often than they would like a mass produced like Pearl or Tama or whatever. So it, it, it just shows how many options are available to us and how lucky we are to be able to have those options to, and even say, oh, I'm not really into that. And that's yeah. I mean, not a lot of people have that opportunity. No, dude, th this is the golden age of gear too. like, man, when I look at. Like you just scroll through Instagram because all everything on my Instagram is drum related. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking at all these products and all these craftsman products and all just like you can get anything now, man. When I was a kid, like you had like five choices. That was it. Like <laughs> and you, you know, and you had to go Pearl, to a local place Tama, to get it. Zildjian, Vic, for, like that was it. There was like five companies like that you would have you know be exposed to, and that was all you could get. There was no like tackle instruments and big fat snare and Nicky moon symbols like this just wasn't there man so yeah people nowadays like yeah you got it going on yeah and even even the uh the quickness you're able to get things now like sure things would ship with mail and everything like that but not as like you literally can buy something on Sweetwater and get it within three to five days. Oh yeah, dude. Like, I remember what? my my first kit was a Pearl <laughs> export, right? I wanted like a, an add-on Tom. So like the only way to do it was to go to the local music store, have them special order it for you. It took like 10 weeks. Yep. Just to get a Tom. <laughs> 10 weeks. And then and then for me, flip experience, I did the first kit I got was an export kit um about five or six years ago. I'm um, a 99 um, and what was side note, Pearl was super nice and like explained to me where the kit came from. I had no idea where it came from. I emailed them. They got back to me. It was super cool. Um, but I bought it off of like Craigslist for like 300 and something bucks. And yeah. the guy was local. So I just looked up with the guy, right? Cool. We'll meet at this pot at this yeah. day. Here's your money. Here's, mm -hmm. here's my drums yeah. done. Like yeah. that was never a thing, never nah, a thing before. Nah, so, so like cool. just, yeah, just the opportunities we have now. And, uh, yeah, like you said, golden age of golden age of like gear of any type of gear, doesn't matter what it is. And so since kind of having that topic of gear um and symbols all kind of at the same time, I'm really really excited to be able to dive into like the main topic, which is cool. our the the five features that create a great sounding symbol. And I think yeah. a lot of these like features are going to be so unknown to a lot of people and that we don't really even think about when it comes to symbols and maybe how we treat them opposed to like how we treat like a kit or mm -hmm. like just everything like, and so, and oh man, there's so many other like, you know, misunderstandings about symbols and misconceptions. And I will do a plug before you start is that you did a really good podcast um, with uh, Bart Vanderzee on the drum history podcast, talking about like misconceptions about certain symbols, kind of debunking mm -hmm. a lot of these. So I'll, I'll try to maybe link that in the, in the show notes. Cause I think it's such an interesting podcast that really kind of brings to light. Some things we're probably not going to be able to bring up on this podcast just because the topic's different. Yeah. Yeah. We don't want to do the same thing twice anyways. Right? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, man, Shout out to Bart. Bart's awesome, man. He's going to be there too at the Nashville show. Oh no way! Really? Yeah, man. We're gonna. We're, we're, oh, this is awesome. Meet. Yeah, it's we, gonna be so cool. On a on a side note, we met for the first time in 2019 at the Chicago show. 
Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So we met We're. I mean, I've, I've known him whenever he started the podcast and his Instagram page completely blew up, which is super cool. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's great. I didn't even know if he's going to come. So that's, yeah, that's man, he's a, that gets he's me even more excited. <laughs> All right, man. So you ready for me to start going? Go ahead. All the, right. The show so is yours, my good sir. Number one, quality raw material. All right. This is the, the starting point of the symbol is just like, think about cooking food, right? If you don't have good ingredients, I don't care how good of a chef you are, you can only going to get so far. The raw material is everything. Um, so like a lot of people are like, oh, it's, it's B20. It's just that checks the good box. It's good, right? Well, no, it has to be good B20, you know, and there's a lot of bad B20 out there. Yeah. And like I, as a symbol maker, I would rather work with a high quality piece of B8 material than a poor quality piece of B20 material. Like, so the reason for this is bronze needs to be able to hold tension for you to craft it into an appropriate shape. And then the bronze has to kind of heal itself for a few days and then you can go back and continue working on it. Poorly um, alloyed bronze is filled with impurities, dirt, pits, all this stuff that are going to limit your ability as a craftsman to do work. It's only going to allow you to hammer it so much. It's only going to allow you to shape it so much. It will only hold so much tension. So it automatically reduces. It doesn't matter how much skill you have in your hands or your machine or whatever. The material is only going to let you take it so far. Does that make sense? It does. And I wanted to clarify something for people that may not know. Um, but you can quickly explain um, like what is B20, what is B8, what's B27, like all that oh, stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, that yeah. just refers to the amount of tin that's in the bronze. Um, B20 is, for the most part, 80% copper, 20% tin. B8 is the more orangey-looking uh, material that you see. It's used a lot for cheaper symbols, but Peisty also uses it to make really nice symbols like the Really great symbols, and, yeah. And yep. All those things, um, which just goes to prove my point, right? Yeah. Um, but that is a 8% tin, 92% copper, and some phosphorus, so it's a little bit different. But that's what the number refers to, the amount of tin. Cool. Yeah, I, I just wanted to clarify that because I'm sure there's a lot of people that have no idea what B to oh, like. Yeah, they have sorry, this man. I talk about, about it like everybody should know, and I forget. Oh sometimes. no, it's perfectly okay. And it, I mean, especially with, with the misconception, I think you guys talk about it on the Drum History podcast of like, oh, B eights are just horrible symbols. Like, no, they're not. There's a lot of great B eight sounding symbols. Yep. Um, they just have this misconception of you know, like Sabian or like. Zildjian, some of the bigger companies will make these quote unquote B8 symbols and people just refer to them as like crappy symbols when in reality they could be, they could be made to sound amazing. Yeah. It's just th to put it as quickly as I can, it's easier to use that material and make it cheaply. It's, it's easier to machine a B8 um, alloy into a symbol like in like two steps. Boom. That boom, makes done. sense. It's yeah. B B20 takes a little bit more, a little bit more work. So like you said, you have to, you have to hammer it a little bit, work on it, let it, let it sit, come back yeah. to it. Like be it. You don't have to do that. Do you? Well, you not can, as much, but you can also, it's also very easy to just stamp like boom symbol, you know, uh, big, big robot arm <laughs> done. That right. kind of thing. You know? I got you. Also, the other reason for that, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it's B8, quote unquote, is a commercially available metal that's used for a ton of other stuff. It's used for like plumbing parts and gears and all kinds of other things. B20 is only, it's a symbol specific or a, or a bell specific alloy. 
So the fact that it's commercially available makes it cheaper and easier to get, which has another reason that no. it's like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, that totally makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So number one, you've got to have good quality source raw material. Number two is the shape. This is something that I never hear people really talking about when they talk about symbols. They oh, the hammering this and the lathing that, and oh, it's shiny or it's brilliant or it's natural, it's traditional, whatever. Shape is crucial to the symbol's sound. The way that it sounds has so much to do. I would say that it's it's very hard to put these in order, but shape is like kind of really right there at the top of, of what's important. Um, if you don't have a correct shape, it doesn't matter how much cool lathing and needle hammering and, and all these cool techniques and all this other stuff that you do, it's going to sound like a turd. So <laughs> yeah, that it's, it's just crucially, crucially important. And, and the cool thing about shape is that's where you really, when you, when you start to understand shape, you start to understand how you can manipulate symbols to do different things. Forget about all the other stuff. If you make it curve in a different place, if you make it taller, shorter, whatever, flatter, that really opens up a whole world of sonic possibilities. So, shape. yeah. Number That's two awesome. is shape. Got any questions about that one? You want me to just keep no. rifling off? Oh, keep rifling on. I mean, I'll be honest. Like, a lot of the stuff you're going to say is going to be new to me because I haven't gone in depth on this. So, I'm as much of a listener as the people that are listening right cool. now. Like, I, That's good. Definitely much so. That's good. But for number three, I squeezed two into one. Sorry, I had to. Oh, you're good. Five. So I, technically I six. Call <laughs> three, the two T's, which is tension and taper. And this is another thing that I, I don't hear people talk about because they just, they don't know. So I want to kind of, I want to educate people. Yeah. Tension refers to how tight the symbol feels, how stiff it is. Um, like a, a heavy symbols tend to feel stiffer. But you can make a thin symbol with a lot of tension and people think that they're heavy or vice versa. If you take a heavier symbol and you reduce the tension so that it's kind of wobbly and, and kind of crashy, people think it's thin. So if like a lot of uh, symbols on the market, if you would actually weigh them, like uh, take a, any major brands like Thin Crash or whatever, it might not be gram for gram like in the thin category. It might just be tensioned that way. So that's... Uh, but it's also use, utilizing tension as a maker is another thing that allows me to craft sound. Like mm. you could take two 20-inch symbols of the same shape and one has a lot of tension in a certain area and one has very little tension in a certain area and they're going to perform and sound like two completely different symbols. Wow. Yeah. So and how how is... How is that tension controlled in the in the symbol making process? Through basically top and bottom work, hammering and lathing. Yeah. And, and it just depends on what side you're doing that to that could manipulate that? For the that. most part, it's uh, it's really hard to explain, man. I've, tr I've tried to think how I can sort of explain this in a simple way, but um, it's hard if you're not a symbol smith to, to kind of like, I don't, it would probably take me an hour just to talk about this. All right. But I'll just, just <laughs> yeah, I guess take my word for it is the easiest way to, to get through this. Um, but so tension and, and then taper is the other part of this one. Taper is how, again, gram for gram. So you have two 20 inch symbols that are 2,500 grams. One of them might have a lot of that weight in the bell. And then 
as as you get outside from the bell, it might have you know more, and then as it goes down, less, 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 less. So it thins out very drastically. The other symbol might just be equal tension the whole way from the bell out to the edge. Hmm. Sorry, not tension, thickness. And that thickness, that taper, has a dramatic uh, result on the sound and how the symbol performs, how crashable it is, how how well it rides. So that's something I. This comes up in a lot of conversations with my clients because they're like, oh, I got this Istanbul symbol. It's 2,500 grams. I want you to make me a 2,500 gram symbol. And I'm like, no, like that's, <laughs> I'm not, no, you're focusing on a number for no reason. Like, just tell me about the symbol. What do you like about it? Like, what are the characteristics mm. that you like about it? Then I'll make that happen. Forget like what it weighs. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying? Because you can recreate what a person would want and feel of a of a symbol in a different way and still make it feel the same. Yeah, there's there's it's all interplay between tension, taper, shape. Like it's all these things working together that make the symbol what it is. It's not just mm. like, oh, it weighs this much or oh, it's this shape. It's it's and if you change one thing, you change everything. So you have to know how one thing affects another thing, affects another thing, affects another thing. And it's like this dance that you have to do between all these characteristics. And that's how you design a symbol. And that's what leads me into my next point. Number four, creative vision. This is another thing that makes that a great symbol is as a maker, you have to know if you want to end here, you don't just start making it and then, okay, like, for example, the symbol is lathed here. It's not lathed here. You know, it's got really heavy hammering or something on the top side, whatever. You have to know how to get there and have it make sense. You can't just lathe it a certain way, hammer it a certain way, and expect it to sound good. You got to plan for that. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Like doing those things affects other things. So it has to be properly designed, the process. First, I have to do this, and then it's going to affect that. But if I do that, it's going to affect this. So if I do that, then it has to affect this. And I have to do it in this order to get the result that I want. So you could so, you could theoretically have all these components and switch around the order of how you do them and get a completely different sound. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Yes. That's that's really fascinating to yeah. to know that there's like cuz I mean again, I think people always tend to look at the process of like a drum being built and besides like the hardness of the wood and the bearing edges that you cut on it, nothing else really changes that much. Unless you're like, even if you put heavy hardware on there, you're not really changing that much of the drum. But when it comes to a simple, it's so interesting how you could take one piece of that process, put it in a different position mm -hmm. and completely change the sound. Yes. Yeah. That's it's, uh, it's tricky. And that's why it takes so long to be, proficient at this because like you think you get it from the beginning and then like the more you do it the more you just keep learning things you keep learning like oh this does that and that does this and then this does that like this is why like we're all insane you know like because yeah. <laughs> I, I never stopped thinking about it you know like even now I'm always like oh yeah well this happened and that happened and I'm just always in my head like planning but <laughs> being able to have that that knowledge allows you to have the creative vision to plan symbols and plan projects and say, oh, look, I want this symbol to, to be like a vintage A from the 60s, right? Well, how do I get there? It's mm. not as simple as just making it look like a vintage A. I have to make it so that it performs and plays and feels like that symbol. And you have to 
then follow those steps. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, and, and that definitely makes a lot of sense. It's, it's also interesting to know that when that process is solidified, there's no changing. And that's another thing too, is like with drums, it's different because, I mean, yes, the process is the same way where you like you, after you've made a drum and cut the bearing edges and all this stuff, um, you really don't have like, the only thing you could do is tune, but you can do so much with the tuning aspect of a drum that can manipulate the sound, can change the sound to make it sound like a, oh, a five, a 14 by five could sound like an eight if you do the choose proper heads and tuning and dampening and whatever. Um, and yes, you can dampen uh, a symbol, but you're taking so much character away from it. If you do so um, that, I mean, and also if you spend a bunch of money on a symbol, why would you want to like <laughs> slap some tape on it and say like, Oh, that's the sound I'm actually going for. Why not originally just get the sound you're looking for and not have to worry about changing anything to it. Well, yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point, man. So my last one is number five is craftsmanship. Mm. And what I mean when I say craftsmanship is I'm not just talking about it's hand hammered or it's, or it's this or it's that it's, I don't care if you're using a machine, if you're whatever, there has to be a person, an artisan, a craftsman who has a feeling for what they do, uh, a connection to what they do, a love for what they do making something to make it truly special there there's a line like i think a person using a machine there's there's a good argument for that you know using a power hammer using a a lathe like to spin the symbol like okay there's still a lot of skill involved you know in that process the line for me is computer controlled cnc that to me is like no you are taking the person out of the equation and you're having something that was programmed to think one way and one way only do a process that is not optimally achieved with, with something that can only think one way. Yep. Symbol making is reactive. You hit it once, you see what happens, and then your, your next move is based on what just happened. You know, even with the best plan, you still have to react the whole time. And you can't, we don't have that technology yet. We just don't. I'm sure at some point we'll invent a thinking computer <laughs> that, that, that can, you know, step by step, keep recalculating what it's going to do. But we're not there. We're not going to be there for a while, you know. And the human component there is so important to the symbol coming out with a feel and, and an incredible sound and, and a vibe. You just can't see and see an instrument like that and have it give you something back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a great example also because, um, us as humans are constantly, uh, not just perfecting what we're doing, but we're also inconsistent. Like your hit uh, as you hammer is going to be slightly different than the one before. And it's not going to be exactly the same. And so, Yes, we have created machines that can get that exactly the same. So for a mass-produced symbol company, um, it's effective to have something that could be consistent every single time. But at the end of the day, like you said, you're completely taking the human aspect out of it. And I think that's why you have some of these older symbols that sound fantastic. And the people that created them probably couldn't tell you how exactly they did it because they're just hammering. They're just making the symbol. It goes out. Somebody buys it, and this is like, this is a symbol. I'm never selling it. This is the best sounding symbol I've ever had. And you can have one of those golden nuggets that you yeah. just 
it just out they're out there it's it happens and when we start to yes we perfect everything when we start to add machines into it but there is something about just that like golden like oh like you just yeah you get that and like the yeah it's just it's, it's, it's something that you just can't really even explain with words, no you, you know? can't it's like, like i like i couldn't explain <laughs> everything lines up um but it's you know like when you when you have a human being with a tool and they're and they're doing something like like as humans even if we're doing one task like we're doing our brains doing a lot of other tasks right that we're not even conscious of so like what was the craftsman thinking about? Like, how did he feel that day? Was he anxious? Was he calm? Was he so happy? True. Did he have an argument with his wife? But like, whatever is going on inside of you is going into the work that you're doing. Like, for sure, whether or not you want it to. So that is, a again, like, you, can you program a computer to, like, have memories and feelings and, and a life story that, that goes into what it does? Not really. You know, not yet. Anyways keep saying not yet because you know it's coming it's definitely no it's definitely coming absolutely but it's yeah. it's definitely like i love being able to think kind of futuristically and, and knowing that like you can't just say like oh no it's never going to happen they're never going to be able to replace live drums or whatever the case is like no i i think it's definitely coming um so then in the sense it's like okay well how are you making yourself more valuable so that when it does come people still yeah. come to you yeah. and, that, and that's that's really simply how you need to go about it and it's a great way to think through, like, at the end of the day, though, like, even though they may be able to do that eventually, it still doesn't take or recreate the actual human element that is a person. Because, yeah. again, it, it, like you said, that, that build that that um, symbolsmith could have had a terrible day, came in and made the best symbol he's ever he's ever made. And it goes out and somebody gets it and they're like this is amazing. Like I've yeah. never like, and you just never know how that, like it's so unpredictable. Humans are so unpredictable at times. Yeah, that's what, it, that, that's like, what makes it exciting. Right. Yeah. And, and th really, if you're a, a good musician, by my definition, you're playing from your heart. You're playing from your soul. You're playing from the very thing that makes you who you are. Every time you play that instrument, how can the instrument be like some, clinically made i don't know like it just is weird to me the instrument you're using to express your soul should have been made with somebody else's soul you know what i mean that yeah. to me is like the the perfect combination of like making art so yeah that's it. i mean that's that's my two cents yeah no that's that's Not that fine. anybody I think, cares but that's what i think <laughs> honestly i think it's a really great way to kind of round out the podcast um it, this is very very much different than a lot of the other episodes prior to this, because this is a topic again, that is not talked about a lot. And I'm so glad that you've made yourself available to not just me, but like other podcasts that you've been able to talk on relatable topics, revolving symbols. And I think more of these conversations needs to happen because I think people that buy symbols as we all do need to at least educate themselves a little bit on that's all these concepts, all these features that apply to a symbol and what makes a great sounding symbol to begin with. So again, and I, I will say it because he didn't, not once did Nikki try to like get you to buy his symbols. He's simply just trying to explain why having a person behind a particular piece of instrument that you're eventually going to play is so important and, and th how that crafted and, um, polished skill 
that person's able to pour into a symbol can then translate really well to how you're going to pour yourself into the symbols and the drums that you're going to eventually end up playing. Nice sum up, man. You oh, really? It up perfectly. Yeah, you <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, as we as we then close out, kind of, um, I really appreciate that. I normally don't get like knock on like great yeah, endings. No, that was spot on, <laughs> killer. But um, so since we're kind of closing out, like let people know how they can find you. And uh, obviously, I will be posting in the next couple of weeks whenever we do meet in person. Obviously, I'll be posting those pictures and stuff of the show. Um, if you're I, they didn't pay me to promote this, but I just feel like if you're in the Nashville area and you have the ability to go to this show, bro, meet some of these people, say hi, shake some hands, um, just be willing to to get involved in the industry. It's various. It's I've learned it's such a small, small industry, yeah, and you start to is. meet. You go to one drum show or another music show or this music show, and you're seeing the same people every single time. Yeah, so I mean, a lot niche. of people have been going to. Like, for instance, like Nam for the past, like, whatever, 10 years or so, like, Benny Greb is just Benny. Like, the, he, they see him every year. He's there yeah. all the time. Yeah. Right. So it's like, it's simple stuff like that. Everyone becomes family. And so I'm really excited to post about that. But yeah, let's, how can people find you? Where can people follow you and, and all that good stuff? You can find me at www.nickymoon.com. That's my website. That's the best way to learn about my different symbols and series. And if you want to buy something, you go to the shop page. There's a video of everything in there. You can custom build uh, symbols. You can, you can basically get whatever you want. And if you, if it's not clear what, what you want, or if you need help, you just, there's a bunch of contact me buttons on the website, or you can just email me directly at info at and ask away. And I will respond as quickly as I can. It usually takes me a couple of days, but I promise I will get back to you. You can follow me on Instagram, Nikki Moon underscore symbols. That's my primary social media outlet. I post a lot on Instagram, um, a lot of cool pictures and videos and modification stuff on there. So yeah, go check me out, learn about what I do. And if you have any questions, hit me up. Yeah, awesome. I, again, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, again, really honored that that you would even come on in the first place. It's, it's really cool to kind of see this podcast grow and have different people that can come on and really express and give us a viewpoint into like their life and their viewpoint on things. Um, and you're definitely the first builder to come on the show. So I'm really excited about that as well. Cool. And yeah. And so with like everything that we've talked about, we, we always see that there's a process to everything and whether it be a person's process in life or how a symbol's made. And sometimes it doesn't always come out perfect and it doesn't always, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be situations that arise that you may feel like, man, this symbol is just going to break in half or my life's about to fall apart. And we then start looking at other people and comparing them and comparing ourselves to them and, and their story or what they're doing. And so that's why I always like saying like, you never compare your chapter three to somebody else's chapter 30. Somebody else is always just, it's not that they're even better than you. They're just ahead and in their own book writing it than you are and so that's why on this podcast we don't just drum about it we talk about it guys have a wonderful week and we'll see you all next time <laughs>